Greetings friends, I'm here in Berlin with Ananta. We're in her awesome space called Medley and last week she helped to organize a gathering of Twitter people so I wanted to debrief and hear how did it go and yeah, I, I'm, I'm on this project I guess to help people copy what you're doing and learn from what you're doing and make their own version of what you're doing like helping uh, these like somewhat shallow relationships from social media graduate into much more meaningful connections through small events so yeah I'm really keen to know kind of all the background like why did you do this what gave you the idea uh, how much work's involved what are the considerations all that sort of stuff so I'm quite a blank canvas but just want to know all about it because I didn't get to go to most of it awesome yeah um, it's great to be chatting with you um, I actually just listened to your chat with Sylvia and mm. learned a lot from it um, the week leading up to this event so excited to be on one of them now <laughs> so tell me about the background like um, what gave you the idea that it would be cool to invite people off Twitter into real space yeah um, actually I was at Sylvia's event Cata Lisbon um, a couple weeks ago and um, as well as the the Vibe Villa event that was connected to it um, by Leona. Um, and uh, that was kind of the inspiration for it, to, to be honest. We threw together this event in just a few weeks. Um, I was just thinking about how much I loved being at these events where um, people I'd been engaging with on Twitter or who had like a, a kind of like mindedness, even if I hadn't engaged with them. Um, just being able to, uh, to feel that in real life felt really special. Um, and um, I was thinking about how um, there's quite a few of these events um, that are popping up that um, are very like high intensity and kind of short term. Um, you know, like Vibe Camp or Cat Lisbon or Kai Camp or, you know, where it's like, you come for a weekend or a week and you drop everything else and you fully focus on it. Mm. And um, those are really cool for being the catalyst. Um, and there's also a lot of things in the scene I, I see where you know people are putting together literal communities like villages and stuff like that. Um, but I've been looking for something that's kind of a, a medium term, mm. like how I live my life right now, how can I live that in a way that still has this in real life community but isn't as high stakes as um, dropping everything and like moving into a community or like creating one um, sorry by community in this case I mean like a, like a village or mm. a co-living situation mm. um, and so yeah it was kind of like um, that, that idea that Sylvia shared in her chat of like taking the last thing and trying to iterate on it a little bit I was like okay how do I take this thing that Catalysman created and build on top of that to um, test what it would look like to um, be in that community in a way that's more akin to like how I live my normal life mm. um, and from that idea actually came this idea for like teapot fellowships which is um, something that uh, I may or may not be <laughs> working towards um, 
And when I say teapot fellowship, I'm using that as a, a shorthand for like, how do I get a bunch of like really curious, open, passionate, creative people to like be together working on their life passions, um, and not necessarily uh, like these specific Twitter accounts or whatever. Um, Anyway, so I um, was thinking about that, and then a lot of people kind of wanted to be in Berlin anyway, just to like visit it, see, what, see what's going on here. Yeah. Um, so it just kind of fell into place a little bit as I was like chatting with people. Um, in particular, like uh, Brent was like really keen on coming, um, and so we kind of like co-organized this uh, Catalyst Berlin event together. We're like, what if we just tested this um, sort of residency idea out in two weeks in Berlin over the course of a week? Um, and um, I feel like I'm rambling a little bit, Rambling's but good. basically... It's just, it's just sitting <laughs> the stage for all the different topics. Yeah. Um, so the way that I was specifically trying to build on top of Catalysbin was um, we have this group of people, they've like established these norms, they, they have done this week of like intense bonding, what if we like brought them to this other environment where they're kind of distributed through the city, like living their own lives, having space to go home and recharge and stuff, but we're coming together through the day um, at Medley, which is our space, um, and working on their own things just in parallel. Um, so that was the experiment. <laughs> Great. Um, I want to know, I want to, uh, like, I'm, I'm trying to understand how to name what's good about doing this. Um, because it's really vague. <laughs> so what happened in Lisbon that gives you the, like, what was your experience there that give you the motivation that you want to, you know, take on the effort of organizing and coordinating a bunch of people and inviting them together a few weeks later in Berlin? Mm. What happened in Lisbon? Like, what was good about, what was good about it? Lisbon yeah. that made me want to continue it? Yeah. Oh, um... It seems like it's more than just hanging out. Yeah, I think... There was like a, a really deep sense of connection, but also like potential, I think, mm. with many of the the people that we met there. Um, where, and like when I say potential, I mean there's kind of like, you feel that there's this vibe and you instantly know like, oh, I'm going to see you again in my life and this is going to be really good. Like you are going to be a new main character in <laughs> the plot arc that is my life. Um, but that doesn't necessarily happen like at the weekend itself. Um, and so, yeah, I, th I think it was um, just like that, that understanding that a lot of us wanted to keep deepening those connections and, and see what we would create together, mm. um, but that it, it wasn't just going to happen there. Yeah. It would take continued investment. Yeah, I get that because that's, I mean, you and I met in May in Belgium and uh, immediately like had a good time and also it was really obvious when we said goodbye it was like okay we'll see you soon you yeah, know, it wasn't exactly. like goodbye goodbye it yeah. was like ah you're the kind of person that I want to be collaborating with like we seem to have and it, like I say it's hard to put my finger on what it is but mm -hmm. there seems to be some social norms and some values and some like like an orientation towards the world which is value driven but in a really fun way like mm. playful instead of the, my previous experience with values driven communities which are really activist um, kind of really super assertive and super confrontational this scene feels a bit more like 
yeah, we want to see the world, we, we want to shape the world in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got an idea about what good is, <laughs> but it just feels really playful and creative and experimental and more open for interpretation than other communities I've been involved in. Mm-hmm. Um, so, learning from the last one, coming here, it's like, okay, we're going to do one that's a little bit less intense, like a little bit less dense almost, like people mm-hmm. are a bit more distributed around the city, there's not so, it's not like everyone is staying together consistently mm-hmm. for days on end, so there's like <coughs> kind of a lower pressure in a way. Um, how did it go? Oh, um, I think it was good. <laughs> um, actually, I, I ended up getting COVID halfway through and, and had to like... Um, sit out for much of it which was a huge bummer for me but was also this um, really interesting experience in letting go mm-hmm. and seeing what people ran with mm-hmm. and like if they still had a good time and a, lo- a lot of people were saying it was a very meaningful week for them um, so yeah I would say that I was personally a little bummed with my week but it was overall a good week um, and that was also kind of a, like an interesting experience for me because I think sometimes when I organize things, um, my perception of how things are going are also very tied is also very tied to my own experience of how things feel to me or yeah. like my read on the vibe. Um, and so I remember there was like this distinct moment where. Um, I felt like, oh no, everything's falling apart. And then I, but I actually chatted with people, and they're like, no, things are great. I just had the best day ever. <laughs> and yeah, making that realization that like, oh wait, yeah, I am, I am not the community. I am just mm. here, like, to help a little bit. Mm. I'm really on that mission myself of like learning about letting go of control. Mm-hmm. And and I wonder if this is a pattern of community organizers that like one of the things that drives us to organize is dissatisfaction with the status quo mm. and like I don't have I don't want to just go to a bar and drink all night I think it's not a satisfying way for me to hang out with people mm-hmm. so I've got to go and create a different alternative which means I've got like quite a clear idea about what I want mm. and that that if I get stressed or if I'm not in my best state of mind like that tends to come out as like the dark side is like a kind of control freak you know that's like everything must be a certain way and then something unexpected happens like someone gets COVID or whatever mm-hmm. And yeah, then I panic and really hush the vibe paper up. <laughs> and part of the conversation with Sylvia was me like learning from other people that are a bit more relaxed in their approach mm-hmm. to bringing people together. So it sounds like you got a forced lesson in that. Yeah. As well. I actually, um, I actually texted Sylvia when this happened um, because. I was channeling that energy from her chat with you. You know, she talks about um, making sure that she's really staying centered in herself and not letting any of um, those feelings um, kind of leak into the community and like affect the vibe. Um, and I was actually, yeah, I, just, I saw that image of Sylvia just like being like so rooted in herself at Catalysmin, like in the midst of like big circles or whatever. And it was just like, yeah. That's what I'm going to try to do right now. You know, be in myself, be yeah. really rooted. Yeah, that's great. Like, I think of that as a kind of development, which is just about impersonating people that you respect. <laughs> <laughs> because she was impersonating Jess. Mm-hmm. That she, that's what she said. Like that she was, she'd seen the model and was just repeating it. And like, yeah, yeah you're repeating hers. It's like this <laughs> funny um, 
almost like it seems like it's becoming a kind of archetype mm. in the scene like okay this is one of the jobs you've got to do is just present at least l- perform relaxation and, and centered groundedness and mm. it does some kind of work in the group mm. was there anything about the like if you were going to do this again in six months or something was there anything in the invitation or the structure or the design that you would do differently that you're like oh that was a bit of a mm. um yeah, okay, that's a good question. Um, I think in doing an event that was a bit um, a bit more distributed, um, it made... Um, okay, I'm going to take a step back here. Yeah. So um, a lot of the inspiration for the event actually came from um, principles of, that I learned at the Microsolidary Gathering in Belgium in May. Um, and... In particular, you know, there was a lot of attention I paid to, um, like, how to how to create that safety of, like, being in a community, which comes sometimes from, like, the, the boundary that you draw, like, who is part of this, who is, like, not part of this, um, and, like, the norms that you can establish within that container. Um, I think that was something that was challenging with doing a group, an event that was a bit more distributed with everyone kind of doing their own thing. It's, like you don't really know who's like in it and who's not and who's going to be where time and so I think that makes the tempo extremely important which Mm. is like another principle that (laughs) I learned about in microsolidarity um and that's basically just having this like this heartbeat that like synchronizes everyone together you know like you you all are there and um you come together um and so I, I tried to create that sort of effect with having like a, a daily morning coffee, um, but um, most people didn't come to that. And so I think that's probably something that I would adjust if I tried doing something similar again. Um, like for one, just having like a discussion about what a good heartbeat would mm. be and mm. kind of getting more buy-in for um, people to come to that and understand how important it is um like maybe the like some people suggested like oh maybe a dinner would be better or something like that um because people just wake up at different times or whatever um so yeah i think that's um that's the biggest thing is um just finding something that like works better yeah i hear two different things there though because one is like um maybe if we choose a different time to synchronize it'll work better but the other is maybe we should discuss as a community the tension between synchronized and, and decentralized. Mm-hmm. Like people are going to be give it, getting up at different times. People have got different schedules and different demands on their time. How are we as a group going to solve this? Mm-hmm. What's the best trade-off that we can, we can choose for the week? Like that could have been a really interesting conversation to have on day one. You know, it's like, Hey, we're going to be different places, different times, but can we agree to meet once a day? Yeah. And what would be a good time to do that? And, right. and sort of enroll people in that way. Yeah. I think it's all about getting buy-in um, instead of, like in this case, I feel like I just kind of imposed it. I was like, I know this is important, so you guys show up. Yeah. Um, and I think that was maybe the incorrect way to do it. Mm. <laughs> it's really interesting to me because I've never done one of these physically distributed gatherings where it's like you're kind of together, but you're kind of apart. Mm-hmm. And I've been dreaming about different ways of doing it. Um, but I can just see, like, if everyone's staying in the same place, it's easier to develop shared norms mm-hmm. there's like more social pressure to just go with what the group's doing yeah and if everyone is like 
sleeping in different places on their own schedule there's more it takes more you gotta be more forceful in a way to like either more forceful or more persuasive like actually mm-hmm. like you say get, getting people's buy in I've never really thought about that before yeah um, I think it, it's definitely like a trade off um, and it's worth exploring more maybe more experiments more iterations um where you, you definitely feel more um, cohesion, I think, when you're all living together. Um, but it's also, it can be a bit draining, too, yeah. I think. It's a lot harder to um, find time and space for you to recharge when you're always surrounded in the gravity of the group. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a struggle for me, because when I get a group of people together, I know that they're going to get exhausted by the end of the week. Mm-hmm. But also... So it's like, well, I could pace things so that I know there's only going to be a very small amount of structured time every day. Mm-hmm. But then I also know if we do that, there's going to be a bunch of people at the end that are disappointed that we didn't make more use of the time. Mm-hmm. So again, it's a trade-off. And I'm like, well, maybe gatherings are just intense and we just have an intense time for a week and then you can go off and like recharge. But it doesn't feel ideal. Mm-hmm. Like I'd love it. Like what I got from your suggestion of the change that you wanted to make compared to Catalyst when is that it's a little bit more like real life. Mm-hmm. It's not like so set apart from your normal way of living. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then it's like, well, how do you, how do you create that? If you want to do something different from normal life, mm-hmm. but not so different that you're in like this completely parallel. It's not like going to a festival, right? Like where you just enter a parallel universe for a week and then you come back. Right. It's like some kind of blended halfway space, but in, in that blended space, how do you set the rules? Mm-hmm. Everyone's yeah showing up with their own expectations. Yeah, um, and yeah, I think um, probably more intentionality around um, setting norms and rules um, so that, uh, like, most of the day is yours, right? Most of the day you're kind of doing whatever you want, um, but um, if, if there is a norm around, um, you know, showing up to one meeting every day so that you can, like address norms or things that you want to change and have the, the communities playing out. Um, that feels really important. Yeah. Um, some, I think there's some, I've got in the back of my head a few questions that are, that are kind of like standard now, which is who? Who comes? How do you decide who comes? Like, what was your approach to inviting people? Like, was it public? Was it invite only? How do you deal, how do you deal with that? Mm-hmm. Um, I thought a lot about it. I thought about that a lot, actually. Um, in this case, it was literally just taking the the Catalysbin group and and trying to continue that, um, mostly out of um, laziness. Maybe I would call it um, convenience. I, <laughs> convenience. No, I guess no. It was more um, like I knew this group had already spent so much time like creating its norms. Um, and it sounded really hard to um, do that, like to, to re- go through that process again with a new group, like the norming process, um, if we were distributed and mm. didn't even have that um, level of face time. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's that pre existing love for each other by the time you arrive on day one. Right. Which is a really easy starting point. Exactly, yeah. Um, 
So yeah, for this particular event, because it was like, it was also like a little bit of an experiment, right? Mm. It was like, what happens if you like take the same group and adjust the context mm. a little bit? Mm. Um, it felt like a, um, an easier way to run the experiment um, if the group was consistent. Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And how do you feel about um, whenever you are, whenever you invite a small group of people together, mm-hmm. you're excluding everyone else? Yeah. <laughs> and what's, yeah, how do you feel about exclusion? <laughs> it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this is something that um, comes up for me a lot. And because um, I, I don't really like excluding people. Um, and. Yeah, I ended up just having there so many. I got so many pep talks about this. <laughs> like, I would feel really sad about it. Yeah, um, people were like, you know, you're like not everyone has to come to everything. Um, like there, there's like a a good reason to exclude people sometimes, um, and as long as it's not from like a place of mean spiritedness, like I'm gonna keep organizing things. I'm gonna keep you know inviting people to things they'll be there there's like an abundance of um i think events for that people will be able to come to and so it, it doesn't all have to happen at once yeah yeah I, I mean it's a paradox for me i don't i don't think there's like an easy answer for it but mm. and at least for transparency sake my take on this is like these things work because they're small yeah and that's always going to be the case and so instead of trying to invite everyone, it's like, how do we support and encourage more people to host them? Mm-hmm. So that, that the way that you create inclusion is just like, there's a lot of these kinds of events happening mm-hmm. all the time. And so there's always going to be one nearby that you can get to every few months or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but that means we need a lot of people who feel ready to to host. Yeah. And so that's why I'm interviewing all these people is like, how do you, how do, you do it? What do you need? What's mm-hmm. like... Um, what what comes easy to you that someone else maybe wouldn't think of that mm-hmm. if they can just hear you debriefing they'll get a better sense um so so that's one of the standard questions is the who the other one is like the resources side of things so like the um when i talked to sylvia she explained that she booked an airbnb uh, well first she like got commitments from people that they were keen and then she booked an airbnb based on those commitments uh and then it was like pretty easy to manage the finances in this kind of informal um like a friend's weekend you know like we'll just pull the money together and pay the thing and there's like no profit and Mm -hmm. it's kind of straightforward um how do you deal with uh space and money stuff Mm. yeah um in this case we already had our space medley um and um Let's see. I guess I took a, or we took a kind of a, a poll of interest at Catalysbin to mm. see who was interested in coming. Like a viability to, check before yeah. doing anything. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then from there, um, kind of decided, um, oh, we'll like book one Airbnb, assuming that eight people will come, and then we'll try to like add on other airbnbs as like more people try to um join um and yeah that that worked pretty well i think and um, you did the booking i did the booking and i uh, i want to yeah dig in and know like 
is that smooth and good or is it annoying and kind of like you'd rather not you know what I mean yeah um it's not my favorite thing to do <laughs> yeah yeah I'm just trying to figure out like where is the joy and like where are the chores that you just kind of need to deal with because that's just what you have to do to get people together yeah um I mean honestly there still is quite a bit of like cat herding yeah. um and I think there was a lot of it for this because um because it was like a surprise event it was like this is happening in two weeks can you rearrange your life to come yeah. and so there is you know a lot more like maybe maybe not you know yeah. like I want to but I don't know or you know yeah um and so for that I kind of just had to accept like um this is risky like mm. there's a lot of risk I could lose money on this um do I still want to try um and so there was a there was a bit of like you know trust faith there that like it would happen um and luckily it worked out um I don't know if I would suggest other people try to pull together an event in two weeks especially if they are not willing to like take on that level of risk yeah I mean it sounds at least that you were going into that risk with your eyes open Mm -hmm. yeah whereas other people might if they had less experience or something they might kind of not have done the viability check or like they they would have heard sort of maybes and treated them as yeses and then been really disappointed when some people fell through or like mm-hmm. so that's one piece yeah yeah less experience and also like less means to maybe right. or um you know i fortunately could be like all right i'm gonna get this airbnb if it doesn't fill like i have empty beds then like worst case scenario i'm just out some money um Whereas I think if you don't have the means to do that, you really need to get people to like commit to coming and like pay a deposit and all that before you can like yeah. get um, a space. Um, and so yeah, that's that's what I mean by that. Like don't don't do a two week thing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you have the time to like get the commitments and stuff. It's, yeah, it, you can take less risk on yourself. One thing I think I heard from Sylvia, almost like reading between the lines, was there's a risk of being too accommodating like too flexible too adaptable to people's needs and like you said oh there's only two weeks so you can kind of understand that people can only give you a maybe as they're trying to figure everything else out um but I guess the other thing that I'm trying to do with this interview series is like get the the people who are not hosting Mm -hmm. that are enjoying that showing up Mm -hmm. like to get them to appreciate the value of what you're doing and the risk of what you're doing Mm -hmm. and like how can they be great guests you know like that that it really makes a huge difference if someone can just say yes and you, mm. and you know that you can count on them. Yeah. And they're not, like, stringing you on because they're trying to be pleasing, but they can't actually say yes. Yeah. Um, hmm. I guess, um, yeah, being, being like, really transparent is helpful. You know, I think there's different kinds of maybes. There's the, like, oh, I really want to come, but I, I don't know if I can, like, make it because of whatever, like, finances and things. Um, there's also the like mm, I don't know if I want to go but if I like develop enough FOMO then I'll be in at the last <laughs> yeah. minute yeah. Um, yeah and I think like if you can kind of be honest and like your host has the capacity to you know help you guide you through those feelings um, that you can, they can help you out in different ways um, you know like in in this case you know some people were worried about money it's like oh I can actually maybe hook you up with like someone whose house you can stay at or something like that 
um, and that's um, a lot more helpful than just mm. like a general maybe. Yeah. Um, I think another thing is um, I experimented with doing some paid activities here. Um, so there was one, um, there was like a breathwork ceremony we did, and there was like an, another thing um, that was scheduled. Um, and for those, I think it was actually really hard to do the, the cat herding, um, where I think most people are in the like, maybe, depends on who else is going, and if I get enough FOMO at the last minute. Um, but those involve taking on a lot of risk too, right? It's like the, the instructor comes in and they demand a certain amount of money to host a private group session. And so, like, if 10 people don't show up, then I'm on the hook for yeah. like, the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and I, it, it's almost like you have to, like, like kickstart it or something, you know, like a crowdsource, <laughs> like, all right, let's, like, pay enough money, and if you hit this threshold, then, like, this person will come. Um, I think that's, that's a little bit on me, you know? Like, I, I could have said, like, hey, if you want to come, like, pay me this amount now. Um, and not booked until um, I got the required threshold. Um, but again, it was just me being like, okay, I want this to happen, and I will accept this risk, um, and I know that there is risk because people only found out about it like a few days ago. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't make those more time. You can do that more conditional commitment thing. Like we need X people to go yeah. in. Um, I was thinking about my own experience as a community instigator mm -hmm. and that like it seems normal that you have to take a bit of risk you have to overextend or like risk overextending yourself uh when you're bootstrapping something mm -hmm. and then the desired future is that like um over time as people get more invested in the community we kind of at least take turns with those risks so it's like you did the breathwork thing this time but next time someone else is going to organize the whatever workshop mm -hmm. and it's going to be their risk and we understand like we're developing this shared understanding about well like how do we do commitment or like how do we handle finances and those sorts of things that accumulate over time mm -hmm. uh, and I'm wondering that just makes me wonder for this temporary community like or maybe temporary is too harsh a word like <laughs> what how much of a vision do you have, you know, like, is this, um, is this, like, you, you described it as an experiment, like, oh, I learned a bunch of things about organizing, or is this, like, um, a chapter in an ongoing progression, where you, like, do you have a sense of where you would like this group to be mm. in a year, or, like, which direction you're going, or any of that sort of clarity about the future, or even vagueness, but sense of direction? Yeah, um, I kind of hinted at this residency idea mm. earlier, um, and that is something that I think is worth trying um, and that I'm actively working on trying to you know, figure out how to manifest that in the world. Um, and that's not, that's not specific to like this community of people that showed up to this week-long event. Um, it's, I'm talking about my vision for like, um, the next chapter in yeah. this bigger community. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that's kind of my vision is people finding ways to be integrated in their community of choice kind of in like permanently, you know, in real life. Um, 
well, okay, permanently is a big word, actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, like, more um, more long-term, not just for, like, oh, you've, you're here for a weekend, and it feels really great, and then you go back, and then you're, like, on just on Twitter. And, um, and like, I think there's something really beautiful about um, having community around for the more, like, mundane aspects of life. Yeah. Um, you know, like, you're... I think a lot of people experience it in like relationships for example where like you're there and you're like processing your emotions together in, in like in big ways in real life um, and that sometimes is harder to do on Twitter um, you know some people do it really well but I think like okay I, I think you can accept there's a difference between like for example having a significant other and like having a, a Twitter mutual yeah um <laughs> and, and yeah, I think I think having more and more of those like friendships that are just like deeply integrated into your life is kind of my vision. Yeah, yeah, definitely one of the failure modes I think of this Twitter-based social life is that a lot of people, when they most need support and relationships and care, they're like they're the least active on Twitter, mm-hmm. and so they kind of when someone's sad, they just go invisible. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're like in a shared space, like it's much more noticeable when mm-hmm. someone is sad or even when they're not showing up, you can kind of notice in a way we're on Twitter, it's like easy to forget like, oh, I haven't seen this person in a month, Yeah, you know, because it's just like so noisy and yeah, it's, I don't know, it's easy to be distracted and hard to keep track of people in that space. It feels a lot more ephemeral. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that reminds me of um, like one thing I, I noticed this um, week was... Um, there's this one particular like corner that um, of our space where it just like had a couch facing a wall and um, like bean bags and stuff around it that tried to set it up kind of in like a circular living room sort of situation but um, you know the bean bags would keep moving to some other space and so it just became like a couch facing a wall and you know at first I was like oh my god this is like kind of depressing how do I make this like more cozy um, but kind of noticed that it became like this like moping corner where like when people were feeling like a little bit mopey they would just like go and be like held by the couch and um you know I I was still like ah no it's like a really depressing corner right it's like literally the moping corner um but then eventually like was talking to people about it and, and realized like it's kind of special to like have this feeling that you can still be held in this in this space even when you're experiencing like these feelings that you might normally hide from other people um and that you can like bring those and still be like present in the community and like experiencing them and yeah so maybe it's it's going to be permanent now that we have like a low paint corner when you want to just be by yourself but also be in the community it's a bit different but it reminds me of someone told me once that uh that at events they had a buddy bench and the buddy bench is like there's room for two people to sit there and if you're like wanting to connect with people about feeling a bit awkward or just like you don't really have the energy to be proactive you go sit on the buddy buddy bench and that signals like this person would like to have a conversation and you go and sit with them (laughs) it'd be cool to have all these different flavors like embedded into the architecture and people just kind of know that they can like, like yeah I need a mope I want to be part of the group but on my own mm-hmm. I'm going to go there or like yeah I'm seeking companionship I'm going to go over here yeah 
Yeah, and in some ways, um, was experimenting with that and setting up the space for the week. Mm. Um, for the most part, was making lots of little nooks um, to support the crew size, you know, like four or five people. Um, but also spaces for one person and spaces that felt comfortable with two people or that could grow to four and um, and very few spaces that could support like the entire group. Yeah. Um, just trying to spread out the social gravity a yeah. little bit. Um, but yeah, it was, it was kind of beautiful to see the architecture just supporting those different formations. I'm really happy to hear that. I was at a house party a little while ago and there was like 10 chairs in a circle outside and I was pissed off about it. So when people were off getting snacks, I started moving the chairs apart <laughs> and then and then they were in these little clusters and that's when the party got started. It was like, because people, I don't know, it's so awkward I find when you're like trying to have one conversation and somehow the seating is set up in a way where seven people feel invited into the conversation and it's just really hard to have a conversation with seven people. Mm-hmm. But when it's set up in threes and fours, it's like, of easy mm-hmm. so <laughs> it's yeah. like a little rebellion in mine yeah I feel similarly um, it is interesting um, that there is such a, a gravity towards becoming one large clump um, that I was noticing especially on the on the first night where um, you know even though like the tables are, are all in configurations of four and even like the beanbag area was like four um, people were trying to like move them to, together so yeah. that everyone can be together. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think um, it, it was kind of cool though to see that there was like a flow, like a back and forth between, okay, now everyone's together, now everyone's like apart, now everyone's together, now everyone's apart. Um, and yeah, it's like you can like pay more attention to that gravity if you're in a space that allows for all of it all yeah I'm um, it's really hard to know if I'm just like trying to push reality to fit my map or if <laughs> this is real but I have found it useful to imagine that there is a kind of developmental phase that people and groups go through mm-hmm. which kind of looks like uh, the picture I have in my head is like a triangle then a circle and then a network mm-hmm. and so like, the triangle is this like very unsatisfying hierarchical sort of pyramid experience where you just think you're ruled by like status games or like who's in charge or there's like kind of authority structures and it's like mm-hmm. most people don't really like it but that's they feel stuck there and then you kind of break them out of that and you send them to Burning Man or something you know like they, 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 they come out of the box life of the triangle and they suddenly they're just like <gasps> circles like I want to be with the group you know I want to have this experience of meaningful connection and it's all about Unity, it's like all glomming together. It's like, like you said about mm-hmm. gravity, it's like there's an amoeba that just kind of sucks everyone into the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that becomes dissatisfying too at a certain point because it's mm-hmm. like, ah, oh, the, the circle can only do one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. And what if there's two different equally interesting ideas? Well, you kind of have to choose, you can't do both. Mm-hmm. And so the network is where it like breaks apart into these different clusters and they're more dynamic. And like you were saying, like, there's this ability to like go wide and then come back together and like diverge and converge and kind of mm-hmm. oscillate back and forth that's that's kind of the ideal state I want to get to but I think um, when someone's fresh you know when it's really their first time of even really feeling good in a group like mm-hmm. feeling belonging or something like that I think the idea of us breaking off into three subgroups 
is kind of scary. Yeah. It's like, but we're just, you know, like, these are my people and you're trying to break us up. Like, mm-hmm. it, yeah, there's a kind of rebellion against it. So you've got to kind of, I guess, just feel where the group's at and like, yeah. I'm always like, no, let's just jump ahead to the network. But it's like, no, some people actually don't want to go there yet. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and yeah, I, I noticed that, um, there was a lot of that, like, um, kind of, uh, what would you call it's it? funny we're gesturing a lot because it's like <laughs> what's the word for this <laughs> yeah I, my gesture is me moving my hands together in like a squishy motion squishy yeah. smushing <laughs> a lot of smushing yeah like that that group magnetism where like everyone wants to clump um, on the first night and then it kind of dissipated like yeah. in the week where there was a lot more comfort in being in like the little groups like pairs or pockets or whatever um but still moments where like everyone really wanted to be together like in like a circling activity that sort of thing yeah I think it helps to give people um, a map like one of the people I've learned the most about group stuff from is this guy Billy Matheson Mm. and he one of the things I remember about his events is he always starts by drawing it's like putting the agenda up but he does it in a graphic way (laughs) and it's like we've got three days and he would like sort of map where the meals are and like we're going to start here and we're going to end here and um, he would always mark actually the start and ends in circles meaning like mm-hmm. we're going to be all together here and here and maybe if there's other points in the agenda where you're expecting everyone to come together and then to also say there's going to be these other points where we're going to be all in lots of different shapes or like going in parallel tracks and that was all very graphic so people could kind of have their expectations clear because like I said there's just so many people that don't have much experience yeah. And and they're like having that first taste and they're like, Why would we split up? We've mm-hmm. just gotten together. Yeah. And it feels bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wondered if you wanted to say a bit more about this fellowship idea. Like um what kind of people we are who would be good? Like if you if you're in your dream reality who would come, what would they do? Yeah, that sort of stuff. Mm, yeah. Um I guess um One thing that um, was really inspiring to me when I went to Vibe Camp was just being in this little circle by a lake and just like kind of observing this little group that I was in um, of really curious, intelligent people who were like all working on their own thing, you know, like they had, you know, maybe it was like a personal manifesto or like a, a theory of religion or like a creative piece of art or something like that. Um, and just like sharing it with the group and watching the energy just get like amped and amped and amped yeah. where like the circle around them were just like, yeah, I totally get that. And just like helping them like iterate on their idea extremely quickly in like such a beautiful supportive way. Mm. And I remember having this feeling of like, where would this go if this is permanent? Yeah. <laughs> um, and how can you create that level of um, like excitement and support for like, you know, that person's doing their life thing. It's, this is a very special type of collaboration. It's not like everyone's saying, oh, we're all going to work on this like thing together. Um, it's it's very much like, oh, you are very driven to do that and we see your special ability to do it. How do we just completely amplify that? Yeah. Um, and it sounds like it's not so much about the content 
it's about the fact that they're really amped to do it like, <laughs> you recognize their enthusiasm for whatever is their special interest and it's like yeah we just want to support that mm-hmm. yeah um and yeah something that's like really special about this community is that for some people it's like making that that piece of art for some people it's like writing a book about meta for some people it's like doing coaching um for me it's like figuring out how to like get people together you know have that like vibe fusion um and i think um yeah it's really special and i i just want to I, I just want to run that experiment of like what if this was more permanent where where would it go um let's see uh, i actually forget what your original question was i just <laughs> well, got really this excited good. No, this is really good it's really good um what i wanted to know is just like to to hear more of your vision for this fellowship uh, and what you told me was a bit of the background, which is great, but more of the more of the story. Um, but can you take me more to the practical thing? How many people? What kind of people? How long? Yeah, like how do you how do you imagine it working at this stage? Yeah, um, I will caveat to say that um, it's still like quite early in figuring everything out, and I'm collaborating with um, a few other people, Rick Benger and Chris Mothers on this, um, and so I I don't. I don't want this to be like a, you know, like a public announcement. Yeah, or this something. is not a pitch. This yeah. is not a pitch. This is a half-baked um, idea. And yeah, and like some of like the thing I just said is like my personal vision. And I, I know like some of my collaborators are more interested in other aspects, like the, the like actual collaboration of like creating something together. Or, right. Um. So yeah, I think um, what feels kind of good to me right now when I when I dream about it is. Um, getting maybe a group of like a dozen people together um, co-located in Berlin um, I think kind of having their own space like um, not necessarily living together if they are they at least have their own room um, and just giving them access to medley like our space for I guess three months that's that's a, that's the number that feels good to me right now, yeah. but not totally, um, or like ten weeks, yes. Um, yeah, um, just like kind of giving them access to the space and um, filtering for um, some of those things that we were talking about earlier, like um, making sure that everyone's like extremely curious and. Um, has a vision that they're like working towards in the world um also doing also really like value um like community and like the tribe um i i guess like part of there's kind of a a, like a self-work aspect Mm. in there too um like i think that's kind of a, a theme that i've noticed from these like these Twitter events is that um, a lot of people are interested in kind of like this tribe building, but approach it first from like the perspective of like the inward journey, like before you can um, really see other people and let yourself be seen, there's kind of a a lot of like your own shadow that you have to deal with. Um, And so, yeah, yeah, I guess people who are, um, kind of on both that that like inward and outward mm. journey at mm. the same time um it's a little bit hard to articulate um 
and I, I'm sure it will be like kind of challenging to <laughs> to like screen for and, and like put on like a, a website. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard. Just <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> speaking from experience. Yeah, um, but somehow it, it, it's like happened for all these events. Yeah. That I've been to. Um. But yeah, it, like I guess like we've been drafting these these values for medley. Um, and a lot of them are in, in line with that. Um, there's like defaulting to curiosity right. over judgment. Right. Um, there's um, personal responsibility, which is that that aspect of like, you know, in, in conflict, you really do the work. Um, and it's also like personal responsibility is also about making sure that you have like proper personal boundaries because I think like yeah. in a community it's really the boundaries are really enforced on like the personal level right like if there's someone who is um, being a jerk and they're going around and like being a jerk to like eight people and it's like you know 100% community 100% community you're not going to have someone from the top being like okay this jerk is not allowed anymore um I mean, you might, but a lot of times it's way more subtle than that. Yeah. And so it's really down to the individuals to be enforcing and, like, upholding the values of the community. And, like, yeah, so I just think personal boundaries are really important there. Yeah. Um, another one we've been talking about is having um, a host mentality or, like, like being hospitable. Um, and... Like, I think, oh, we've talked about being a host so much before, um, whereas it's not really about, like, being an extrovert mm. or being the life of the party. Mm. It's really about seeing people where they are and, like, meeting them there. Um, and so in this case, it might be something as little as, like, seeing someone has an empty glass of water and, like, filling it or whatever. Um, but, yeah, there's just something really lovely of like everyone taking the responsibility of trying to be welcoming to everyone else I want to name um, what I know from Jess and Sylvia also Nati and even that example of just like filling someone's water uh, I think it's more than meeting someone where they are I think it's anticipating their needs mm -hmm. and that like I, it, it really didn't come naturally to me and it was just from witnessing other people doing it mm. like I say those are all women that I named that are all <laughs> kind of socialized into doing that mm -hmm. and once I kind of learned that there was a thing that you can do mm -hmm. it kind of became a fun game and mm -hmm. I think that so much of the hospitality is just like what might someone might be feeling as they arrive into a space mm -hmm. oh they're going to be awkward and they're going to need someone to talk to so I'm going to talk to them for the first 10 minutes when they get there you know yeah. like that kind exactly. of that kind of attitude. I treat it like an engineering project. Yeah. Gamifying it. Yeah. And yeah, that's a good point. I think um, uh, meeting someone where they are is a little bit of a misspeak. It's like, yeah, just given where they are and where they will be, just figuring out how to create the right space. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing that I wanted to name was like how do you describe this thing about self-work and that you're, you're trying different phrases. Um, one that I've liked is what these people have in common is inner curiosity. Mm. So it's like when something, when I get triggered or like I'm in a conflict or something, mm -hmm. I'm, I have some capacity to look inwards and go like, oh, what is this feeling? What might it be coming from? Like, mm -hmm. what stories have I attached to it? Like if someone can do that, then you can kind of work with them. 
but if they're not willing to do that and it's only a small number of people that I've met that are not willing but some people are really not mm-hmm. for whatever reason they don't have that capacity to go inwards then it's really hard to be in community with them mm-hmm. um, there was one thing though that I wanted to catch was my sense is that there's um, some people in this part of Twitter mm-hmm. that are they're in the process of becoming activated right so mm-hmm. like I usually see it it's like belonging first then once you have belonging there's a kind of sense of acceptance that then enables a kind of development and change mm-hmm. um, and that like that yeah there's like first I need to feel like I'm accepted then I can uh, experiment and try things and then I get the positive feedback and the encouragement and people saying like oh this is your special thing and, and kind of fan the flames of their agency um, I feel like the two pe- there's kind of two classes of people one it's like basically have you crossed that threshold or not like do you know what your thing is like are you like the, what you described about the people at Vibe Camp it sounded like everyone in that circle already knew what their thing was and they were like really engaged on it and they really aligned and they were kind of passionate like their passions were activated um, whereas I think there are a lot of a lot of people around the scene that don't know what their thing is yet mm-hmm. um, and so I wanted to just check with you it sounds like the residency is designed for the people that already know what their thing is mm. um, I think I sound like way more certain yeah this, <laughs> this, is, this is a hypothetical yeah um, I think people's thing can like change over time too and like maybe your thing right now is just being like really curious about yourself and mm. like, like that was my thing a year ago when I moved to Berlin it was like okay how do I just like prioritize like healing mm. and like like you're saying that inner curiosity um, and I spent a few months doing that and then like over time it just like here I am now in this like space that <laughs> I'm creating trying to manifest other things in the world um, and so um, yeah I guess like I, I don't see it as like a binary necessarily um, but I, I think you should be kind of driven to exploring your curiosity about something yeah, yeah. and I'm just assuming that you're not going to provide a huge amount of structure you know like if, if I'm thinking about like a startup incubator or something mm-hmm. where it's like there's a schedule of events that you're going through and they're trying to get you to a certain stage and there's like there's going to be pitch day at the end and this kind of thing like mm-hmm. Um, do you have a sense of how much how much structure is the right amount mm. or is it because I think what I'm getting at with this idea of this threshold is some people are self-motivated mm. and some people are need need more external pulling on them some people push and some people some people need right. to pull right right um, yeah I think maybe it depends on what you mean by structure I think for um, for this it's it's not like um Oh, we'll have a, a schedule every day. It's like the three p.m. meditation and the four p.m. IFS and the five, you know, yeah. <laughs> nothing like that. Um, I think um, probably some structure. Like we're playing with the idea of um, having people be in like crews for a month and maybe do like a a stand up meeting or some other sort of like like tempo mm-hmm. event with them every day. Um, but yeah, I guess um, this tension of like structure versus like asynchronicity is like something that I grapple with a lot, mm. um, and 
actually, yeah, you and I were just talking about this last week, um, where, um, for some groups, like in the micro-solidarity gathering, where, like, you kind of start with, like, basically a random group of people, and you're creating this, like, social fabric, um, you need a lot of structure, basically, yeah. to, like, do all the, the norming and, like, figure out where you're going, um, a lot of structure and also I think a kind of authority like right. we're bringing the structure and you're going to adapt to it right you know? um, and in this case I think we're erring a little bit more on the side of like like maybe less structure and cu- more like curation of people who we think uh-huh. would like work well in that right so there's pre-existing relationships which implies a bunch of pre-existing norms so instead of having to impose the structure from outside it's like it's more emergent it's already mm-hmm. kind of there yeah. Based on who's there. Um, and that's kind of inspired by, you know, some of the things like Just Camp or Cat of Lisbon, where, um, like, they they do completely the opposite thing with micro-solidarity, where they just curate people and have, like, very little structure, and it emerges, right, yeah. where people, like, bring their own things to share with the group, and, you know, will throw workshops and, like, art events and stuff like that. Um, the surprising thing is it sounds like because I didn't go to Jess Camp or Catalysman, but it sounded like very similar outcomes to mm-hmm. the micro-solidarity yeah. gathering with very different structure. Yeah. So there's something coherent, even though we're taking really different tactics. Yeah. Vibe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're all becoming vibe mechanics. Um, I, I want to wrap up soon. I just noticed my brain started to get a little bit diffuse. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we do, I wanted to think about um, if we're doing this curation of people, mm-hmm. just reflect on where the scene slash community is at now and what kind of people do you think are missing? Do you have a sense of that? I feel like it's kind of a blind spot for me as I, like I only joined Teapot in March and I feel like I'm still trying to like it feels extremely big to me with tons of different little pockets and mm. I feel like I'm only in the middle of like one pocket and um, well just think about the events you've been to mm. you've been to three of them right four of them I have been to three of them okay and yeah. Um, yeah is there anything where you're like, this was awesome, but it really lacked something, someone. Mm. I guess most of them didn't have much diversity in terms of like age. Like one thing that was really cool about Vibe Camp was that they were like, like, not not that many, but there were like babies and like mm. teenagers and um, like older people, um, and that was extremely refreshing. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I'm just thinking because like we can be intentional about who we invite. You know, who, not just invite, but like some people. I think some people stumble their way in, and then naturally find it very easy to be there because there's already a bunch of people a bit like them. You know, it's like, ah, these are my people. But then, yeah, so maybe if it's about young families, it's like, oh, maybe they actually need a little bit more support Mm -hmm. to be able to participate and, like, um, 
I don't have an answer for like what kind of people I think are missing but if there is an emerging consensus of like oh but it should be really it would be a really good um, evolution if we could make it more baby friendly or something like that then we can just be more intentional about yeah. who we are inviting because otherwise I think we'd, yeah, we yeah we wind up with like an unintentional culture which is probably suboptimal yeah uh, there's like a strong gender imbalance too that I've noticed um, especially at this event that I just ran yeah um and yeah I, I kind of had to just uh, like accept that I couldn't be that intentional about you know reaching out more to like other people just in, um in in doing a last minute event yeah <laughs> um but yeah that was something that kind of surprised me a little bit yeah yeah I think that there's a lot of I think there's just more men using Twitter mm-hmm. and it always makes me uneasy to be in a space that's like majority men but also lately I've been kind of accepting it and trying to work with whoever's there you know Mm -hmm. in a way like because it's refreshing to see a bunch of men wanting to do Mm -hmm. inner work and develop their emotional intelligence and get better at relationships and stuff it's like okay well but also it does it can be a self-reinforcing imbalance right like Mm-hmm. If if there's a tiny minority of women there and then they show up and like oh this is awkward there's like a lot of pressure on me or attention on me or something like, then mm-hmm. they might not want to stick around so that's not ideal. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I, I also um, come from tech, so I'm a bit used to that imbalance. Um, and I will say that even with the imbalance, it's it's pretty refreshing being in um, this community where, like you said, a lot of the people here are really trying to figure out how to like be better at like relationships and emotional intelligence and stuff and like a lot of them are like also really balanced in their like masculine and feminine qualities mm. where they they like actively embrace that and try to figure out how to like bring them out mm. more. It's, it's very inspiring and sweet to be around maybe what we're doing is like cultivating this incredible pool of bachelors yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they're all going to be a really great catch and so that'll be that'll be where the balance comes from <laughs> we'll see, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> um, final question if you imagine someone else is listening to this and in a month or in two months they're going to organise another gathering of some sort from people from this part of Twitter uh, do you have any recommendations or advice or guidance or warnings I just had this moment where you're like, imagine someone's going to listen to it. And I'm like, oh no. (laughs) Hello, listeners. Um, (laughs) I guess, um, I think, like, feel free to to be a bit experimental and, and have a thing that you're kind of, focused on like let go of the idea that you have to like accomplish everything in this one event and it has to be like the perfect event um i think like a lot of decisions are trade-offs they're not necessarily like good or bad they just they make one thing better and one thing worse um and I think, you know, an example of that was trying to run this event more distributed where it decreased cohesion a bit, but it increased people's ability to, like, recharge on their own and be really present when they were with the group. Um, and so I, th- I think just 
being really mindful that like all these decisions are trade-offs you don't have to run the most perfect event and that as a community we are like iterating and like yeah. with each event we're learning more and you're just you're just part of the, the puzzle that is helping create that collective knowledge um, instead of being like the sole organizer who is running this event that everyone is going to judge and, <laughs> and that is your legacy um, I think that's yeah the key piece of advice that I would give yeah awesome it's like uh, you're part of a super organism you don't have to take responsibility for everything yeah exactly and this experiment thing I, th- I heard it from Sylvia she said that um, because she was framing it as an experiment for herself it gave a lot of freedom it kind of relaxed her in a, in a way of organizing and also talking with Kai about Kai Camp and he said that like well, the impression he gave was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I just want to get my friends together for a weekend, you know? Like, that that seems like a really enabling attitude to mm-hmm. be in. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like a tiny step towards the future. It's not like the the end event. Yeah. Yeah, and everyone's going to love you if you do it, so do it. And <laughs> <laughs> it'll help. Yeah, and you'll have a great time, or maybe you'll get COVID and not have a good time, but everyone else will have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> You're storing up treasures in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually, I actually did have a really good time. Yeah, even, even with the COVID, I had a really great week. What makes it good? Mm, it's just so warm and fuzzy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just having really great people around and like knowing that they're having a really good time and and like taking delight in their delights. Yeah, you know, like oh, there's there was this really great moment on Friday where like. Um, it was creation day. We were all just like creating in parallel. And so some of us were like doing art together um, outside. And there was a moment where like one guy just was like, oh, this is so good. Like looking at his own art. And we're all like, yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> and then maybe like 20 minutes later, someone was like, you know, doing like a, a poem. And they're like, oh, yes, yes, that is amazing. And we were like, yes, yeah. it's so good. Yeah. And just like, letting like seeing people be so free in their own like self-love self-expression and then seeing like the community just like hype it up and like hold them there and be like yeah that's right Um, it's just so wholesome yeah that rules (laughs) i love it i totally love it i think it's the same for me i'm like the the thing that i love is actually seeing the other people getting switched on and like Mm -hmm. having that sense of connection that they've been longing for or yeah, celebrating themselves and being like, I actually am awesome. I forgot. Mm-hmm. Now I remembered and everyone celebrated me. Ah, oh, it feels good. Yeah. And it's not selfish, right? Like it's yeah. It's like you're activating yourself but then you give it to someone else and they give it to someone else and yeah, yeah. feeling that feeling that escalation. Yeah. And that critical and mass. And feeling that like that sense of abundance where it's it's not threatening to me at all that like you're having a good time and you're good at something you know whereas like I've been in a lot of communities in the past before where there's like jealousy and moments uh, like that uh, um, and yeah it's just it's recharging to me to see other people being recharged yeah yeah I wonder like as you were trying to describe values for medley as a space I was wondering if there was something about this I don't know I don't know how to name it exactly it's something like generosity it's something like mm-hmm. um, well like compersion you know like taking pleasure in other people's pleasure or like yeah. something about being oriented towards other people celebrating other people not just yourself I don't know where that goes but it seems like that's one of the 
traits that we have in common in this community. Yeah, yeah. I oh, this reminds me of one time at um, at a party. I threw for my birthday party, um, and like someone else was in this conversation where they felt really seen and there was someone else who was like kind of across the room just like looking at it and just like marveling at like how excited they were for that person <laughs> to feel so seen and oh it was so beautiful yeah, and, yeah I was across the room marveling at this person marveling <laughs> yeah, just like a, ch- a chain of marvels yeah marvel chain <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'm going to wrap up there. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for doing the organizing work because a lot of it is invisible and doesn't really get recognized and it makes such a huge impact and you've changed a lot of people's lives this week (laughs) and it's really great that you do it. And it's great to be accompanying you on the journey. Yeah, it was was really nice to be able to to draw inspiration from other events, including yours, and to be able to talk to other organizers about it too. And... um, I hope to keep having these conversations with lots of people. Yeah, go with super organism. <laughs> <laughs>